0: BLOB TALK RADIO Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Tina Callahan-Jones for a discussion about using USCT pension records and genealogy to tell a community's fuller story. Tina Jones began her research journey in 2000 when she took on a program at her church, working with local senior citizens, many of whom were residents of two historically African-American neighborhoods in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, Franklin was the site of a significant Civil War battle and is the county seat of Williamson County, Tennessee. Tina attended Vassar College, where she focused on Africana studies and then received her master's degree in public health at the Johns Hopkins University. She worked for several years in Washington, D.C. for Congress and nonprofit groups, analyzing health care policy and reforms concentrated on veterans' health issues before attending law school at the University of Virginia. She is now retired from the practice of law and spends her time writing, researching and speaking about her newfound interests in local African-American history. She also serves on the board of the African-American Heritage Society of Williamson County. So let me give just a warm welcome to Tina Callahan-Jones. Welcome, Tina.
1: Well, thank you so much, Bernice. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm so glad to to have you, Tina, and you're one of those individuals that when I tell people on social media that I'm going to my favorite place, the National Archives, part of that reason is because of you and looking at those USCT pension records.
1: (laughs) I love seeing that you're going to get a file because that's where the gold is for me.
0: That is where the goal is, most definitely. So how did you become interested in researching United States Colored Troop Soldiers?
1: So, well, first I should say I'm not really like a Civil War or a military buff, even though my dad served in the U.S. Army and I was born on an Army base, and I obviously do have a heart for veterans. I am really more interested in the history and the people um, and their stories than the, uh, the Civil War history, but I do love um, finding stories and pulling them out. And so, like you said uh, in the intro, about 20 years ago, I took over a program at our church, and it allowed me the opportunity to work with a group of about 50 local senior citizens, most of whom um, are African-American, And my mom had recently come to visit us for Christmas, and she had recently really gotten into our own family genealogy using Ancestry.com. So I thought, well, that will be fun and interesting to work with these seniors on their family trees. And I feel like I need to stop and fully acknowledge just how naive I was about what that was going to entail. And I didn't fully appreciate how difficult African-American genealogy can be. Um, most of the seniors who I was helping were locals like you said to Williamson County and their roots they stretched back generations Um, and only you know a few generations back in their genealogy as we started tracing it we hit that proverbial brick wall around 1870. So I then spent several years probably a full decade just working on genealogy with this group of seniors and trying to learn everything that i could about williamson county during the time that their ancestors lived here um trying to learn about slavery and reconstruction i you know i wanted to know what was life like for their ancestors what was going on in their lives and what was happening to them so um, as you said in the intro, I tracked down all the slave narratives that mentioned Williamson County that I could find. Um, I learned how to read probate files and slave schedules. And so uh, as you can imagine, I'm sure and appreciate, I probably put together as many family trees for white families as I did for these black families that I was researching. Um, and. I had a lot of help from local, other local historians who were really teaching me how to do this during this time. I mean, um, Ms. Selma Battle is sort of the queen of African-American genealogy here in Lawrence County. She was a big help. And Rick Warwick is our county historian. Um, but then after I felt like, okay, I, had, I painted a fairly complete or as, as complete as I could picture. Um, and done a lot of that genealogy about five years ago, one of the seniors I was helping asked me a question about black soldiers in the Civil War. And I realized that that was an area I had really not dug into enough. And I think one of the reasons I hadn't was that um, the Civil War narrative in Williamson County is largely dominated by the story of the Battle of Franklin. And much of the local focus is on the white regiments who fought there and the white men from this area who served the Confederacy. And um, there really was very little to almost no focus on the black men who enlisted in the federal forces. And so, I mean, and to be fair, um, up until recently, those records were very hard to access and research. They hadn't been digitized or indexed. But over the previous 10 years, I had learned that Tennessee sent the third largest number of black men to join the USBT during the Civil War and that about 20,000 black men from Tennessee fought in USCT regiments. And I also knew from all my previous research that about 12,000 people were being held in slavery here, um, about more, a little more than half the population. So if that was all true, then I knew that there had to be a big untold USCT story. There had to be men from this area who served, and we just didn't know it. So I went back to Ancestry and I figured out how to, how to search their um, compiled military service records for the USCT by location, and I just put in a search for Williamson County, and there they were. There was almost 300 names of men who said that they were born in Williamson County who had enlisted and served in the US Color Troops, and it was just shocking. So, as of today, I've identified 316 men who served in the US Color Troops or the US Navy who were born here in Williamson County, and um, I just thought, wow, that just completely changes the story, just totally changes the narrative that we've told ourselves about the Civil War experience here. So I I typed up a list, it took me several days just to type up their names, their age, where they enlisted, when they enlisted, what regimen they served in, and and I started sort of analyzing the data, and I started noticing groups of men who have the same last name, groups of men enlisting in the same day in the same regimen. I started looking at patterns of which regimens were the most popular Um, and another thing that was interesting to me was there were some small numbers of men who were born here in Williamson County but enlisted in free states which made me think that they had escaped from slavery and were now enlisting to come back and fight and other men who were born here but were enlisting farther south and west and I think and in some cases have proven that that was because they were either sold or taken there by their enslavers to farm usually cotton Um, so that was just all fascinating and added a whole new sort of dimension to this genealogy work that I was doing And, and so as I was digging deeper and telling their stories I was also finding pension applications for these men and that's how I found you. Because I always call you my fairy godmother because you go and get these pensions for me and then you really help me tell the fuller story of these men. Well, what a
0: fascinating journey to actually discover 316 uh, individuals that were in the USCT from uh, Williamson County, but more importantly, that you made this a concerted effort to really kind of tell the story because as you mentioned there was a battle but they never really talked about the the African American soldiers. So of the senior citizens that you work with, how many of them had ancestors that were in the USCT?
1: So I uh, honestly there are the family trees are so huge and complicated. I'm sure there's more than I have found, but I've probably found about 10 out of the 50 that I can mm-hmm. pretty definitively say are descendants of U.S. Colored Troop Soldiers. But it's interesting to me that I've noticed, and I don't know if this is universally true or, or maybe not even true at all, but what appears to me is that service in the USCT tended to make these men more mobile and more likely to mm-hmm. leave Williamson County after the Civil War. Mm -hmm, So when mm -hmm. I do find descendants, they tend, often these men ended up becoming exodusters and going to Kansas or Oklahoma, and that's where I tend to find their descendants. So that's interesting to me.
0: Oh, that is interesting. Now, you also mentioned that you looked at slave narratives and uh, exactly where did you find these slave narratives of uh, some of these individuals?
1: So so I, I found a group of them just on the um, the federal government's the Work Projects Administration, the WPA slave narrative. They're, if um, you can Google them, you can find them. They're organized by state. And there was a whole group of them um, in Tennessee, who people who were interviewed who were formerly enslaved. And um, and you can read theirs. But Fisk University, which is a historically black university here in Nashville, they conducted their own um, interview project, their own slave narrative, um, even before the WPA did theirs. And they um, are not as easy to find, and they're not really an online version of them, but I was lucky enough to find on eBay a copy of them. And I was reading them and one of them was a man being interviewed and what jumped off the page at me was that he gave the name of his enslaver and said that he was from Williamson County and said that he had served in the US Colored Troops. And I was able to he was actually that was actually the first pension. That was Freeman Thomas. That was the first pension that you ever pulled for me. And I mm-hmm. remember he had his obituary was in his pension and so much detail including the fact that he had changed his name following the Civil War and he had been a big mystery to me because I, there's a headstone for him in our historically black cemetery here in Franklin called Toussaint St. Lobator Cemetery. There are three U.S. Color Troop headstones there. One of them is for a man who did not, was not born here but served in the region and married a woman from her here and is buried here. The second is for a man who was born here served, lived here, and died here. And the third was for this man named Freeman Thomas. Well, there is no U.S. colored Troop enlistment records anywhere that I could find for a man named Freeman Thomas, and I couldn't figure it out until I got the pension file from you. And it described that he had enlisted under the name Freeman Carruthers, because Carruthers was the the last name of the man who enslaved him. So that really helped me um, figure out his story and it was almost Memorial Day when I pieced all that puzzle together and I decided just to post on my own private Facebook page kind of a, a synopsis of his story with some photographs and some images from pension file that you got me. And people loved it and shared it. And I thought, you know, I need to figure out a way to make these stories more broadly available. And so I started my blog, which if you just search um, – Slaves to Soldiers in Williamson County, Tennessee, you'll find it, um, or hashtag Slaves to Soldiers, so no, not the number two, but T-O, Slaves to Soldiers. And, um, and then when I finished Freeman's story, I thought, you know, I, there's a lot more stories to tell. I had almost 300 at that point, now more than 300 men that I found, so I've just been trying to research their stories and tell them. Wow. Fascinating. And, you know, I remember that, file.
0: I remember that, file.
1: (laughs) I remember because you called me. You called me and were like, look what I found. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that
0: that was so exciting about the uh, pension records because each record is a story within itself. When you start finding that information, and just to say that you found this file, it had an obituary in the file, right there you're Mm -hmm. getting additional information about that soldier. So tell us, you know, you kind of went on this journey. So how many uh, stories have you actually written?
1: Oh, gosh. I should know that. Well, so of the soldiers themselves, I've probably only done maybe 10 because each one takes, you know, months of research, digging, and and everything. But I've also done most of the slave narratives that I found because what's been amazing to me is that um, when you read a slave narrative, there's often enough clues in there that you can find the person. And I wanted to mm-hmm. know what the back story was behind the, behind when they were interviewed and then what happened to them afterwards. So I have been, in every case, been able to find enough to really tell a story. I've, I've written most of them. I think I have two more that I need to actually finish and publish. But that's been fascinating to me. Um, and because of the, ones, the ones that I'm focusing on are just Williamson County, and I, like I said, I found like 10, some of them are people who moved away, who were exodusters, who ended up in Oklahoma, um, mm-hmm. but they had roots here. So that's been really amazing.
0: So I know that you have started, okay, you have the uh, Slave to Soldiers Project mm-hmm. and uh, to install the brick pavers. So tell us about the uh, Slave to Soldiers Project
1: okay so after i found freeman's story and pieced together and told it i felt like williamson county needed to more fully appreciate this aspect of its history that had been completely overlooked um and just not known and so right in the center of franklin is a park called veterans park and um anybody can purchase a brick paver for a veteran who's passed away and it'll uh, for 60 dollars you can have inscribed on their um, the brick their name and the regimen they served in and their the dates of their birth and their death if you know it. So I've started this project to raise the money to install one paper for each of these soldiers because I think visually when you walk around um, Veterans Park to be able to see their names and mm-hmm. I think it just helps bring to life the, the magnitude of men from this area who served. Wow. And not only that, I mean, I can imagine you
0: walk, you see this name, and that right there is telling you that's a piece of history that you're always Mm -hmm. seeing when you see that name. So tell us, so we're talking about these records, uh, you know, telling a a community story. So tell us about the Fuller Story, this group that was formed called the Fuller Story.
1: So, after the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, regarding the removal of the Robert E. Lee monument there, um, a group of local pastors and the CEO of the organization that oversees um, two historic sites here, two Civil War-related sites here in Franklin, they formed this group called the Fuller Story. Um, So, they're Pastor Kevin Ray, Pastor Chris Williamson, and Pastor Hewitt Sawyers, and then the... CEO of the Battle of Franklin Trust is Eric Jacobson. So those four men decided to um, try to uh, help balance the story. So in Tennessee, there's a state law that makes it virtually impossible to remove a Confederate monument, so that was not really on the table. And in Franklin's unique situation, it's actually, even though it's in the middle of the public square, it's... It's also virtually poss- impossible to move because it appears to be on private property. So, um, what these, the group of this Fuller Story project that these men started was to try to balance the story. So, they've been working to install historic markers on the public square and um, to install a monument to these US Colored Troop soldiers that I have identified. So, it's really been um, a group effort. They took that aspect of what I was working on and and what they were interested in really ran with it and have um, have done more than I probably ever could have because I'm so busy over here doing my research and my writing. So it's been mm-hmm. wonderful to see the community really rally around learning that Fuller story because, you know, there's always people who don't feel comfortable with the stories that they've been told changing, you know. Yes. But most mm-hmm. people, I will say, really, most people really, when you tell them, their reaction is, wow. I never knew that. Tell me more. I want to know more. And um, I think that's where Franklin is and Williamson County is right now. It's in the sort of tell me more phase and learning more and understanding the more balance regarding the Civil War, and, and particularly the you know, U.S. As you say, cultures.
0: Telling, yeah, telling the community story, what you're doing, though, is that you do have the facts to support the, the stories right. that you're telling. Exactly. You're just not, you're, it's not just uh, hearsay. But it's it's the real thing because you have the documentation to support the stories.
1: Yeah, and I think the pension files are so particularly useful for that because you can hear in the person's own words what they are telling you. I mean, I feel like with Freeman Thomas or any of these soldiers, like um, they are speaking and we get to hear what they had to say. It's really remarkable.
0: It really is remarkable. It truly is. So what do you wish you had known when you started this project?
1: Honestly, I wish I'd known that it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. It was, it's was. it been, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed to say that this has not been rocket science. Um, I think that um, those they're out there waiting to be found, and with the digitization of records Um, it's just gotten easier and easier. So the records on Ancestry.com, the compiled military service records for the U.S. Colored Troops, they have about half of the infantry regiments up through the 55th U.S. Colored Infantry. And then they have artillery and they have cavalry. And those are digitized and also indexed, which means that you can search across them um, by name or location of birth, location of enlistment, um age, things like that. Fold three, which is another online service, they have all of the all of the u s color Trip records, but they're not indexed except by name.
0: so um,
1: so that makes it a little harder to search, but just being able to search across half of them. And I was lucky in that most of the regiments that were around Middle Tennessee, which is where most of the men enlisted, were lower numbers, like they were captured in that US code, in the ancestry record. So I was able to search across them. So that's one thing, is that it's not as hard as you might think to find these men and to compile lists like I have. And just doing that, even if you don't have the energy or the time to, um, to write and research each man just compiling a list i think can be powerful and, and informative about who served and in what regimens and then um i think kind of a corollary to that is that don't assume that just because you've never heard of u.s colored troop soldiers from your area doesn't mean that they don't exist because when i started mm-hmm. my project only the three in the cemetery had ever been identified three u.s colored troop soldiers and five men in the navy and um now you know we've increased that by a hundredfold. You know, three turned into three hundred something. So that's amazing. Um, that that is amazing. Then, yeah. So I just you know using that and then piggybacking on research that others have done has just been very powerful research tool.
0: So when you say researching uh, piggybacking on what others had done, uh, just kind of give us an idea of what others had so, done.
1: So, well, people had not done an enormous amount on the U.S. Colored Troop soldiers um, per se, but going back and, like, reading old – we have a Williamson County Historical Society that's run by our county historian, Rick Warwick, and they have, you know, decades of historical journals with articles. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes um, if there's a particular white family that I'm researching – if I go back and look through those journals, there can be real nuggets of information that are very helpful in doing my research on a black family or a black soldier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's, let's take it to one more place.
0: Uh, and this time I want you just to give tips. Tips okay. uh, for genealogists who are interested in researching USCT soldiers.
1: Okay, well, obviously, the first one is if you are researching someone who you know was a U.S. Colored Troop soldier, look for a pension. Because, like we said, that's where the gold really is. There's so much information. It can just open up avenues of discovery beyond your wildest dreams. Um, And then if you can't find a U.S. Colored Troop soldier directly in your, you know, family tree, Look for soldiers in the area. Um, Like I said, go on Ancestry and try to do the search by location and see what you can learn about those men. See if any of them have pensions. Um, Kind of amazing to me how often comrades will um, comment in uh, a fellow soldier's pension record. And even if you can't find your ancestors, there can just be details and information about their service Um, especially if they were in the same company as the person that you're researching. Um, I was also, I know we're talking mostly about U.S. Color Troop soldiers, but I was fascinated to find um, a couple dozen men from this area who served in the Navy. Um, You know, Nashville's not on an ocean. We do have the Cumberland River um, in Nashville. And on the National Park Service um, Soldiers and Sailors website, the Navy sailors' records are indexed by location of birth and enlistment. And so I used that to find um, a couple dozen men from Williamson County who served in the Navy. And just like their U.S. Colored Troop counterparts, I was finding some of those men born here but enlisting in the Navy in free states, like one man enlisted in New York City. And I found other men who were enlisting um, out of Arkansas and Mississippi and Louisiana. And again, just like the U.S. Colored Troop soldiers, I believe that these were men who were taken there um, during slavery before the Civil War. So that's just another um, avenue to research. Uh, and of some of those pensions um, are on, the Navy pensions are on the Fold3 website. So I was able to find some pensions for Williamson County men and their um, dependents. So that was really great. Um, well, go ahead, and you mentioned dependents. did you uh get
0: any uh, widow's pension records?
1: Yes, I have or were found they all great invalid widow? no, I have found a big mix um and sometimes I find the invalid pension that turns into a widow's pension um mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's kind of great because then you hear you see the whole you know like evolution of the of the man's life and the widow's wife's life. And then in one case, one of my favorites was uh, that you also got for me was a mother's pension, and that was probably the one, maybe other than Freeman Thomas, that had the most information for me, which was amazing.
0: Isn't it amazing when you get a mother's pension though? Uh, yeah, because her her it's story is is uh, is mean, heartbreaking. You know, to to read the mother's story, but wow, it's. Yeah. It's fascinating, the, the information you can glean from those records. Well, yeah. we're getting close to the end. Do you have any additional information you'd like to share with us before we close out today?
1: Well, I guess I guess just my major point is um, that these men and their pension files really provide sort of a window into your community's, larger history or the community that you might be researching into their larger history. And I think that um, by finding them and telling their stories, you can really change the way that people look at the history that's been told in your community. Um, Like I said, with the help of the Fuller story, um, I mean, I don't think five years ago, anybody thought that there would be a statue going up on our town square. To a black federal soldier from the United, from from the Civil War time period. I mean that just to think that in just five years um, this community has embraced this story. I mean, and I don't want to sound too uh, optimistic. I mean, not everybody has embraced it, but really, I mean, if you can like just as you said, Bernice, like if you can have the documents and have the proof and show that these men really were from here and tell some of their personal stories. Um, there's just no um, there's just no refuting it and Mm -hmm. to think for me to think now that when people and sometime in the not too distant future when people drive into Franklin and um, see the Confederate monument but they're also going to see these markers that the Fuller story has put up they're going to see the statue it's going to just present a more balanced and complete history because I don't think that telling one person's history necessarily diminishes another person's history. I think the more, the more stories we can tell, the better. And so um, these stories have just been untold for far too long, and now it's, it's really time to rectify that. And so I would just encourage any listeners that if you are interested to, um, you know, you can look at my blog to see how I've told the stories or just just start with create, trying to find a list and or even just try to find what regimen served in your area. I think people might be surprised to see what, what they can learn has sort of been untold or uncelebrated before. Well, I certainly
0: appreciate the fact that you are talking about the community, you're sharing with people the, the methodology and why it's important to tell the community story, even when you go into a file and you see other people in the community testifying on behalf of that soldier or that veteran.
1: Yes. That's also part of the
0: the community story.
1: Yes, absolutely. When I was the 10 years, when I first started doing genealogy, five of the senior citizens that I helped all descended from a one, one woman named Mariah and, um, I've, I've kind of done as much research as I could on Mariah, and then I moved on to the U.S. Colored Troops stories, and I was, I, you got me a pension file for a soldier named Ned Scruggs, and I was reading it, and lo and behold, one of the, persons, one of the people giving testimony in his file was Mariah. There she was. And I was just like, hi. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I know you. And here she is. So here's her voice. It was really, really remarkable. That is remarkable.
0: And, I mean, I love those files. I could just spend every day at the National Archives going through the (laughs) USCT files. And so, really, I consider it an opportunity and a joy to pull a file. Every time I pull one, it's a joy (laughs) to see the life in these men and see those stories told. It, it's, it's something that I, I would love to, just like you said, go look in your community and find someone in your community that served and then see what else you can find on them. So I yeah. just want to just say, everyone, to everybody listening, remember your ancestors left footprints and the Civil War Pension Files are an excellent resource to find and tell the community story. Right, Tina? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Go
1: find them. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you, you, thank you for tuning in privilege. today.
0: And I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. And, hey, Keep looking for those files, okay, everyone? Thank you, Tina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.